today. It's a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Definitely want to remember that Memorial Day is so much more than just National Barbecue Weekend, right? But it is celebrating and commemorating and remembering the life of those who have served in the armed forces, who have protected our freedom and who have fallen in battle and who have died. So you and I could have an extra day off of work and a barbecue and family and not have to worry about a whole lot. And I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you. Amen? Amen. Are you thankful? Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that we live in such a great country. Um, Before we get into this message um, this morning, excuse me. Before we get into this message this morning, um, I want to address something real quick. Uh, I know that we've been putting on Facebook and and uh, different different things. People have been wanting to help with uh, Oklahoma, helping with more Oklahoma and uh, the tornadoes and everything and all the destruction that happened there. And our heart definitely goes out to them. And we want to respond as a church. Um, I have a lot of friends in Oklahoma. And two of the former pastors of Word of Grace actually live in Oklahoma. One of them actually lives just 15 miles from where all of the storms happened and everything like that and i've talked to both of those guys personally this past week and asked them kind of what their game plan is what the needs are and different things like that and what we can do as a church to help and basically what they told me is listen we're overrun with people at this point um so we don't need people at this point and we don't need supplies at this point there are certain supplies that they're looking for but food and everything they've gotten so many people they said we've been overwhelmed with the generosity but what they said they think is going to happen is the same thing that happened in the joplin storms you guys remember a couple years back when the tornadoes went through joplin missouri and uh, or as people there from there say missouri i don't understand how that works um but uh when those tornadoes went through there and caused a bunch of uh devastation uh, one of the pastors down there told me that what their church did which is a big mega church of like fifteen thousand people He said they actually waited two weeks after the storm and the majority of the initial first responders had kind of cleared out and then they went in and they were able to be a great blessing. Um, So we may have some people that want to go down there and if so, that would be the time to do it, would be during that time frame and there may be some need for supplies. But what we can do immediately that they said is uh, is that we can, um, you know, help financially. There's a few different organizations that we're plugged in with down there that we'll be able to give and bless, that we'll be able to help with the relief. So at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. I'm, at the end of this service, I just want some ushers to be at the back, uh, at the doors. And if you would like to give um, to this, you can do that. Also, you can give online. If you're like, I didn't come prepared to do that. You can give online and just mark in the memo section where you give online that you want that specifically to go to Oklahoma, and we'll make sure that those funds get um, where they need to go, okay? Um, Beyond that, talk to Pastor Glenn, um, who is pastor of a church there in Norman, Oklahoma, which Norman is kind of metro of Oklahoma City, and um, which more is kind of a little further out metro, but still in the general vicinity. He told me that um, what would be awesome... Uh, is they have actually a couple of families that are really in need. And so what I want us to do as a church, when I get a little bit more information about these families, is I actually want us to adopt these families. Okay, so we're going to be helping these specific families. And, um, and that was uh, an idea that was presented to me uh, by one of our church members, and I followed up with that, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to find some families, and Pastor Glenn's going to help us to identify those families. He's already given me some names, and they have kids and all that stuff, and we're just going to bless them, Okay. 
So that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> How stinking cool is that, that you could live in Oklahoma? I mean, you can live in Oklahoma and somebody from Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. I bet you 99% of the people that are in that area have never even heard of a Sheboygan Falls. It's fun to say, but I don't know where it is. If you've read your Johnsonville labels really intently, you might have heard it before. If you've watched Home Alone, you might have heard of Sheboygan before. We got a little cameo in there, thanks to John Goodman. Uh, but anyways, uh, or no, it wasn't John Goodman. Who was it, Carl? John Candy, that's right. Uh, me and Carl talked about that before. So anyways, that's real important and spiritual. So, <coughs> so anyways, does anybody remember the name of the band? Kenosha Kickers, the Kenosha Kickers. Carl, Carl, open up your arms. I'm giving you points. You got points. There you go. Good job. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, last week we had, uh, we had a great time. Uh, man, let me tell you, if you weren't here last week, please, please, please go back and listen online because last week I shared my heart with the church about our purpose, about what God has called us to do about why Word of Grace exists, why we do things the way we do them, why there may be some things that you, know, you don't get, but yet they have a purpose, or why there may be some things that you may see or experience. You're like, why do we do it that way? Well, I explained a lot of that stuff in that message to help you hear my heart as the pastor and understand what we're called to do as a church. And basically, in a nutshell, is what we're called to do is we're called to point the way to people to connect to God, to connect the disconnected to God, to connect them to loving Him. And as they love Him, then they're going to love people and they're going to serve the world as they grow in that love for God. It all stems from that connection and that love to God. And all the things that we do and the reason why we do it is because of that. So if you missed last week, please do yourself a favor and please go listen to that because I don't think there's ever been a time that I felt as spent sharing my heart with our church or in the history of my preaching tenure since I've been preaching uh, regularly since I was 15 years old every week and I, I have never poured my guts out like I did last week so please go and listen to that um, because that's just uh, it, God's just been doing some things in my heart and I want you to be a part of it and so if you missed it or if you want to hear it again go back and listen to it please do yourself a favor um, you know the thing is is, is that at this point we don't know, and I'm just going to be real candid and honest with you, we don't know and I don't know exactly what our next step is as a church. So when I don't know the next step, all I know is to do the last thing God told me to do and keep doing that until he reveals the next step. And that doesn't mean that we're not being strategic and we're not looking and we're not planning and we're not thinking, but our church has been growing like crazy, guys. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. I mean, we're, we're well ahead of um, somewhat over 200 people as to where we were at this point last year. And we're figuring out what do we do with space. I know there's some transition issues. There's parking issues. There's some logistic things. We're going, okay, what do we do? There's, uh, you know, different areas where we still need help in volunteers. We, we pull it off really well, and I thank all of our volunteers. Um, you know, we, we pull it off every weekend, and, and thank God. And, and, but, but there's still areas where we still have needs, and we want to fill those areas. And we go, okay, God, what's the next step? What do we do? And so just be in prayer for me as your pastor and be in prayer for our staff and our board of directors, our board of trustees, and those that are in leadership as we're praying, okay, God, what does the next step look like for a word of grace? What do we do from here? Because we're running into this, we're running into that, and we want to be step in step with God, not just doing, oh, this is a good idea or that's a good idea, right? 
because there's a lot of good ideas that turn sour and south really quick because they weren't so good once you got into the deal, right? So we want to make sure that our plans are directed by the Holy Spirit and not by just an idea that one of us had. So help, just, just help us, partner with us. Would you commit to just pray for us and, um, and, and just, just uh, be there trusting us uh, as we're trusting the heart of God and listening to His voice and making sure we humble ourselves to hear His voice so we can continue to reach more people, so we can continue to see our church grow. <clears throat> so we're going to be faithful what God has told us to do until God gives us clear direction. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say that before we get into this message. And I am going to preach a message this week that actually does have notes on version. So there you go. Uh, some of you guys were freaking out last week. We didn't have points. We didn't have version because I just wanted to share my heart. and It was a little different. And so this week we do. So make sure if you want to follow along on version, go ahead and log on to that. You, if you're new to that, you can get that version Bible app and go to the menu section and click live and you'll be able to search for an event in your area and you'll be able to follow right along in my notes. And if you're doing that or if you brought your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Luke and the 15th chapter. Book of Luke, 15th chapter. Actually, I read this, these scriptures last week, but I didn't expound on them too much, and this week I'm going to expound on them. So it's uh, very similar if you were here last week. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. It's a very interesting setup here. It says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus. They wanted to hear what he had to say. So here's all these people that are gathering around Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes, who were the religious leaders of that day, they're freaking out. And they look at each other and then they're saying, Oh my goodness, this guy receives sinners and he eats with them. This guy actually spends time with sinners and tax collectors, these guys that are thieves, these guys that are traitors to their own country, their own people. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this guy who is Jesus, this guy who says that, you know, he, he's performing all these miracles, who's teaching in our synagogues, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And so Jesus heard them say that. And so this is what he said in response. He spoke this parable in response to their criticism. Verse 4. What man of you has a hundred sheep if he loses just one, just one of those sheep out of a hundred? He does not leave all of the rest, all the 99 in the wilderness and go after that one that's lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And he comes home and he calls together all of his friends and all of his neighbors. He says, hey guys, you remember that sheep I lost? I was freaking out about. Guess what? I found that sheep. And they all rejoice with him and they're all excited with him. The Bible says in verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman has 10 silver coins if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and neighbors together, and she says, rejoice with me. Guess what, guys? I found it. It was in between the couch cushions. I couldn't believe it. I don't know how it got there, but I found that thing I was looking for. And she gets so jazzed and so excited about the fact that she has found that thing that was important to her that she lost. The Bible says this in verse 10. Jesus says, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to him his livelihood. Now I want you to listen to this. 
All right, so basically, this guy that we know of has two sons. And how this worked in that Jewish culture is you could actually go to your father and you could ask him for your inheritance before he passed away. But in essence, in doing so, you're basically saying, Dad, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. You're no good to me except for what you can give me, what you can do for me. I'm more interested in what you can do for me than I am in relationship with you. And so therefore, I'm disconnecting myself from relationship because I want your stuff. And how it worked was if you had two sons, the elder son, the older son, always got the majority of whatever the father had. So in this case, the, the, the older son would have gotten two-thirds of everything his father had. And his father is evidently a wealthy guy because we read later on how he had servants and how he had cattle and animals and all these things. So this guy's a wealthy guy. And the older son would have gotten two-thirds. And the younger son, the one that's petitioning the father, would have just gotten the remaining one-third. So here he has one-third of everything his father owns, and he goes and cashes in on it. Now, the thing that we need to understand is that for this guy to actually take this and do what he's about to do with it, he's got to, to ostracize himself. He's got to disconnect himself from his family, and not only his family, but his culture and his countrymen. Check this out in verse 13. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all those things together. He journeyed to a far country. And he wasted all of his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. So check this out. When you're in this culture, and you're in this time setting, and all these guys that Jesus was telling this story to would have understood this very clearly. Okay, he's saying, listen, this guy actually took all this stuff, and he had to go to a faraway country because he wasted all of his father's possessions in prodigal living. Or in other words, what he did was he went and lived in sin, did all of these things with the blessing of his father. Now, if he would have done that in his own country, in his own culture, he would have been punished because there were laws and there were things that would protect his father and would protect the son from, uh, would protect that inheritance rather, from being able to be used in the fashion that he used it in. Because we find out later that this guy spent this money on prostitutes. He spent it buying friends, you know, and he had as many friends as his money would last. You know what I'm saying? And then when the money runs out, all of a sudden the friends aren't there. All the stuff runs out, all of a sudden the friends aren't there. And so we see this guy has to actually not only say, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me what is rightfully mine. I would rather you just be dead, so just go ahead and give me my inheritance. Not only does he dishonor his father, but he ostracizes himself, disconnects himself, unplugs from the family. Okay, so now he's part of the family. Not only is he disconnected from the family, but he takes it a step further and he disconnects himself from his own culture and his own country. So he is actually disconnected from everything that is familiar to him. And the Bible says that he goes away to another country. And then he spent everything he had. And now all of a sudden, there's a famine in the land. And you know that just like whenever there is lack or when there's any type of famine in any land, in any country, that inflation is just going to go up through the roof. Everything's going to be so stinking expensive. Everything's going to be hard to get. And so here's this guy who's wasted everything. And now inflation is up. And I have nothing to spend on my own personal benefit to help me, to feed me, to take care of me. So now I'm beginning to wither away. I'm beginning to get hungry. I'm beginning to get weak. I've been, you know, all of these friends that I thought I had are these so-called friends. They're all gone. I can't go back home because I have broken ties. I've burned bridges with, by dishonoring my father, by basically telling me he's dead to me, by dishonoring my family, disconnecting myself from my family, and disconnecting myself from my own country. So I can't even go back to my homeland. I am completely trashed. I have messed everything up. And now there's a famine. 
Where do I turn? What do I do? Where do I go? I'm starving. I'm hungry. And I've blown it. Nobody's going to want me back. Matter of fact, if I show my face, I'm probably no better than dead. I don't know what else to do. So what he did, verse, verse 15, so he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And that guy sent him into his fields to feed swine. So he says, I'll give you a job. You can go feed my pigs. Now, you have to understand the cultural significance here. That in the Jewish culture, pigs are the lowest of the lowest of the low because the Jewish people cannot eat any type of meat from this pig. Okay, so this pig is just worthless in their culture. And so now not only have I been completely disbanded, disconnected, I've been ostracized from everything familiar by my own choice. But now my only option is to go and connect myself to someone that I'm feeding pigs. How low can you go? How bottom of the barrel can this guy get? You see, Jesus was very intentional in his storytelling and telling this parable. And he used swine for a reason. That's why he didn't pick a goat or a, or a donkey or anything like that. He picked swine for a reason. He said, listen, this guy went and all he could do in that other country was feed somebody's pigs. And this is how bad it got. Check this out, verse 16. This guy was so hungry that he would gladly have filled his stomach with the food that the swine ate. But no one gave him anything. Now, I don't know if you were raised up on a farm. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you were. You, you, you could have been raised on a farm or, or maybe you've been to a farm before. And have you ever seen them feed the pigs that slop all the leftovers, all the garbage that the people didn't want? That's what the pigs get. And this guy looks at that and goes, oh, that sure does look good right now. Have you ever looked at pig slop and all that junk that other people have been eating on? And, you know, that, that half-eaten corn cob. And, you know, you, you, you see those, those nasty leftovers and they're all just piled together for the pigs to just muzzle through. And you go, man, I am so hungry. I would totally go for that right now. And you can't have it. You can't have it. You can't even have that, and you want that. That's how low you've gotten, that you can't even eat what the lowest animal in your culture is eating. This guy was low. This guy was disconnected. This guy was in a bad place. But then check this out. Verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. In other words, he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm sitting here looking at what these pigs are eating, and I want that. But my father, he's a wealthy man, he has servants, and they're eating better than I'm eating. You know, this isn't right. And so verse 18, he says, I will arise, and I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, okay, I'm going to rehearse this. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. Okay, okay. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I, I understand that. I've blown it. Uh, I've sinned against heaven, and I've, I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Father, I've sinned before heaven, and I've sinned before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's practicing this on the journey home. And here he is. His, his stomach is just, just caved in because of the hunger. And he's just skin and bones. And he's probably just feeble and weary. And he can just barely walk. But he's on his journey home. And he's repeating it to himself over and over again. Reciting these things that he's going to say to his father. And maybe it'll work. Maybe, maybe this will at least get me something to eat. Because I'm only concerned about my immediate need right now. And, and maybe, maybe 
maybe he'll have enough mercy on me. Maybe I can get just a little bit if, if, if I become one of his servants. Okay, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Okay, practicing this over and over again and reciting this to make sure that I get it right. So maybe those will be the words that will convince my father. And then check out what happens. And he arose and came to his father, verse 20. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, okay, here I go. Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he can even get that last sentence out, the father said to his servants, Whoa, 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 bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, you know, the one that we've been saving for a great celebration. Let's kill it. Let's eat and be merry, for my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost, now he's found. And they began to be merry. They began to be happy. This guy had come home. Imagine how many times had that father been looking for his son? How many times had the father been waiting for his son you know I, I could just imagine you know in those days a lot of times they would use their roofs as a seating area or an area to go eat or something maybe the dad was on the top of his house because that gave him a vantage point and he would just look at a certain time every day and he would just wait first thing in the morning he would get up after brewing his cup of coffee and he would get up there and he would stand he's just waiting he's just looking he would see a silhouette coming up the road he would get excited nope it's just uncle steve and then we see another silhouette come down the road. He would get excited. Oh, no, it's just the delivery man. <sighs> okay, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe is it going to be tomorrow? He would lay in bed, and as soon as he gets up, he would climb on the roof, and he would look down. Here's my son coming home today. And that day, he was on the roof. Just imagine him looking out, and then he sees a silhouette. Could it be? Could it be? Yes, it is. It's my son. And he runs down, races down the ladder, and he, and he runs out to his son, and he immediately grabs him. And as the son begins to recite these lines that he had rehearsed, Father, I have sinned before you in, in, in heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he just grabs him before he can even make him the offer to become one of his servants and he says get a robe for my kid cover him look at him he, he he's, he's just broken he's wounded let's cover his wounds let's cover him let's make sure he's warm and taken care of get the ring and put it on his finger the ring that is our family signet ring let him know he's a part of the family let's kill the fatted calf let's have a celebration i thought he was dead but now he's come home he's alive wow that's awesome folks because that's what Jesus was trying to show us. Jesus was trying to show us and reveal to us the heart of God for us. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus reveals the heart of God to us. And we see through all of these three stories, the one about the lost sheep, the one about the lost coin, the one about the prodigal son, we see here the heart of God for people. We see here that this is God's heart, is to connect those who were disconnected, those that were lost, to the family of God. But that's not the end of this parable. In verse 25, now his older son was in the field working like a good boy. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he gets up, he, he's working, he goes, what's going on? He hears, he goes, what in the world is going on? And he goes and he grabs one of the servants. He says, hey, come here for a minute, servant. Come here. Uh, what's going on? 
He said, oh, you hadn't heard? Man, you know, your brother, the one that took the inheritance, the one that dishonored your father, the one that left the family, the one that left the country, and the one that went and wasted all of his money on prodigal living. Guess what? He's alive. He's back. And they're celebrating. They went and killed a fatted calf for him. And he just gets real swole up about this. He gets real mad, real angry about this. And he just can't believe that his father would do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Matter of fact, he even goes to where the house was. And he, he wanted to go in and see his brother. But he was just too angry over the deal. So he stays outside. He wouldn't even go in. He sat out there and pouted. And his father's going, hey, where's my other son at? Did, did, hey, servant, did you tell him that his brother's alive? That we're having a party? Did you tell him? And he said, yeah, I told him, but he won't come in. And he says, okay, I'll go talk to him. He goes out, he says, son, what's going on? Why, why won't you come in? The Bible says right here in verse 29 that he actually, he actually pleaded for him. I mean, verse 28, he pleaded for him to come in. Come in, see your brother. And so the elder brother answered his father. He said this, he said, father... These many years, I have been serving you faithfully. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. I did never any dishonor to you. And yet you never even gave me a young goat to go have a party with my friends with. That's what he said. He said, you never even gave me a young goat. And you're going and killing the fatted calf? Matter of fact, verse 30, he gets a little sarcastic with his dad. He says, but as soon as this son of yours, that's what he says, as soon as this son of yours comes home who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you go and kill the fatted calf for him? And the dad, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, it's a son. Listen, I love you. You're always with me. And everything that I have is yours. And it was right. It was right. It's the heart of the Father. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead. And now he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. He was lost, but now he's found. You see, we need to understand something. That as Jesus is revealing the heart of God to us, he's showing us what God values and he's showing us what is important. And he's showing us how he would respond as a father in this situation. Because that's what Jesus did. He revealed the heart of God to us. But that grace and that mercy that God gave as the father to that one that disowned, that was disconnected, that dishonored, that was out of even the country, out of the family. That grace that God gave was beyond our concept of what was normal. It was beyond our concept of what we would call normal. We go, whoa, 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 that's not normal because the older brother is sometimes how you and I can be. The older brother wanted justice, but the father welcomed the son and he immediately restored him. See, Jesus was telling this group of people that where he's taking them, that there's coming a time where everyone that was lost would be welcomed back to the family of God in a very equal way in a very equal way that would blow their little minds because here's Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. He said, no, 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 listen, let me tell you a story about the heart of God. Let me tell you what's more important. Let me tell you how the heart of God works because you see here in the Jewish culture, you have a very, a, a very prideful people because I can trace my lineage and my heritage all the way back to Abraham. 
And Abraham was called a friend of God. Abraham was the one that was prophesied that would be the father of many nations, that our Messiah, that our Redeemer would come through this lineage of Abraham. Abraham was called a friend of God, and I can trace my heritage back to Abraham. You remember the story when God spoke to Abram, and he said, Abram, scoop up some sand in your hands and try to number how many grains are there. He said, you can't. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Abram, look at the stars. Count them if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. You can't. It's going to be so crazy and innumerable. I'm one of those numbers. I'm a Jewish person that has that right and has that blessing of Abraham and has that heritage of Abraham who was a friend of God. And because of that, we are a blessed and chosen people. And God is telling these Jewish people that, listen, even this guy who is disconnected from the family, who was disconnected from the Jewish culture, who basically was ostracized, cast out, was being welcomed back, that did not compute, okay? That did not register. That did not compute. And then Paul takes this gospel of Jesus that was revealed to him, and he jacks people up even further. Because check this out. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, the Bible says this, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What? If you're a Jewish person hearing that, you're freaking out and you're mad. You have older brother syndrome. If you hear that and you're a Jewish person, you're mad because Jesus was trying to set them up. He's trying to tell them, listen, there's coming a time. This is the heart of the Father. This is my purpose. This is why I came to connect those who were disconnected. And now those who had no right to be reconnected because of sin, because they were outside of the family, because they couldn't in their own right earn or be connected no matter how hard they tried. No, they, they, they couldn't even do a blood transfusion to try to get that Jewish blood running through their veins and be reconnected. That's not how it worked. You're ostracized. You're disconnected. You're a pagan. You're worshiping all these false gods. You're disconnected. You're a sinner. You're a tax collector. Guess what? They can now be just as equal in the eyes of God as you. <laughs> Say, what? <laughs> that messed up some folks. Got some folks angry. And it still gets people angry today because we, much like the older brother, can sometimes have the attitude that because of our spirituality or because that we're somehow superior and that we're somehow you know we're we're like a little bit great above those other christians you know the ones that have a past <laughs> oh bless you in your past <laughs> bless you and all the things you've been through it's pretty obvious you've been through some stuff i can tell by looking at you but I was raised in a perfect little environment, and I've somehow accomplished all these great things in the eyes of God, and He just likes me more than you. <laughs> and when we see God loving someone just like He loved us, but we feel that we're somehow in some way superior to that person, we have older brother syndrome. When we can't love someone, when we can't welcome someone, that is a tax collector or a sinner or someone who's ostracized, disconnected, someone who has been dishonored, someone who has been basically thrown out the door. When we can't love them and, and, and we can't wrap our arms around them, just like the Father did, when we can't welcome them, when we can't love them, then it's showing that we have older brother syndrome. 
because we want justice. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not what I had to go through. Oh, no, 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 no. No. I had to go through a lot of stuff. No. That's not how it works. Let me tell you about how special and spiritual I am. That's older brother syndrome that says, I didn't even get a goat. Look at how God's blessing them. God give me a, didn't even give me a goat. <laughs> and we get jealous and we get angry and we get angry at God and we go, that's not fair. And God said, listen, when it comes to Christ, there is no more Jew. There is no more Gentile. It's over. It's not about this person is a part of the family of God because they're in the lineage of Abraham. Matter of fact, he really jacks them up. Check this out. In verse 29, he says, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. In other words, you're saying this guy that was not a Jew has now been welcomed in the family of God in which he has dishonored, he was ostracized from, he was disconnected from. He can now be welcomed back and be actually a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. See, if we belong to Christ, then we're now Abraham's seed. We're an heir according to the promise. The Bible says we've been grafted in to the vine, that life-giving source. We're now a part of that uh, heart of God. We're now part of what he has done. It doesn't matter what our heritage or our lineage or our past or our failures or our mistakes or our weaknesses. Now all that matters is that we claim Christ and that we belong to Christ and his grace. It, it, it just washes away all of that. It washes away all of the, uh, the stuff that the prodigal son did, all of, all of the prodigal living. But the elder brother, he demanded justice. He wanted justice. He wanted penance. We're okay with penance. We're okay with penance because, okay, I'm cool with that. All right, he can be welcome home, but, like, can I just, like, borrow the whip that we use on the cows and stuff? And can I just, like, crack it over him and say, see, I told you so. Told you, stupid. Pow! That's what we want sometimes when, we, when, it, when we're dealing with maybe unforgiveness or when we're dealing with other people in our own lives. We'll go, I, I'm okay with penance. I'm okay with them suffering for a little while, and then I'll love them. Then I'll welcome them after they've learned their lesson. But we're not willing to just welcome them back. Which one was the heart of the father, and which one was the heart of the elder brother? See, it's very contrast there to how the son was welcomed back by the father and by the elder brother. And sometimes, if we're not careful, in our own hearts, when it comes to reaching people, when it comes to welcoming people, when it comes to loving people, our heart for people can get tainted because we feel like there's no justice in that. They, they, haven't, they haven't spent time, and, and they, they need to pay some penance there. Or we feel like somehow, maybe to offset it, we need to be getting a reward or something because, hey, I've been with you, Father, all these years, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, Dad. <laughs> been with you all these years and I never transgress your commandments so shouldn't I kind of like get something special like dad looks at you like what you want a cookie <laughs> like he said son all I have is yours everything I have is yours it belongs to you what's the deal I, I don't <laughs> can't you not celebrate would and, and what he's saying is is if you were out there working in the fields and you lost one of your sheep and you found it would you not be happy about that if you lost some stupid coin and you thought, you know, you, you couldn't find it, you found it, wouldn't you be happy about that? And you're telling me you can't be happy over your brother? 
who we thought was dead, how much more significant is that than a stupid sheep or a coin that's here today, gone tomorrow? I mean, come on, what, what's more important here? He's showing us the heart of God is for people. The heart of God is not justice, penance, and reward. The heart of God is loving people, welcoming them back, and letting them know that in Christ that we are one, that we are loved as one, that we are welcomed as one, that we are treated the same regardless of our history, regardless of our past. That's the heart of God, and that's the heart that needs to be in us as Christians and as a church. Amen? Here's the deal. <clears throat> Sometimes, <clears throat> goodness, excuse me. Sometimes, even as I search my own heart, I'm going to be real vulnerable here. Sometimes when I search my own heart, sometimes I see that elder brother attitude. And we've got to watch that. And we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard ourselves as a church against that elder brother attitude because sometimes it's that attitude of, oh, they're going to get what's coming to them. You people didn't laugh at that because you know it's true, and you're probably thinking about somebody right now. Or we'll, or, or, or we'll hear about something bad happening to someone, and we'll go, yep, see, told you so. <laughs> Should have been living for Christ like me. <laughs> Should have been a good person like me. You know what? You shouldn't have messed with me. Shouldn't have touched God's anointed. <laughs> Thank God that we're not the ones that cast out judgment on people. Because, like, what if we could, like, like, shoot lightning bolts at people or cast judgment on people, maybe just make them poof into, like, a puff of smoke or something? It would be like, lady cut me off in traffic. Poof, puff of smoke. Don't touch God's anointed. <laughs> You've been standing in line at Walmart, and then all of a sudden it's your turn, and she puts the lane closed sign out and clicks her little light off and says, I'm going on break. <laughs> poof. Puff of smoke, you're gone. You're destroyed judgment upon you thank god that he's the one that judges and not you and i because you and i get ticked off way too easy we get way too impatient with people and we don't have the kind of grace that god would want us to have oftentimes but to those who have been given much much is required right and how many of us have been forgiven much how many of us have been given much grace then much is required of us even as someone who may be an elder brother welcoming someone in who was disconnected and lost, someone who was broken, don't forget the grace that God has shown you because we have to be recipients of His grace if we are going to be people who give grace. So don't forget about how much grace and how much forgiveness you have been given when it comes to dealing with people. You see, now I understand that there are natural consequences to our actions. There are natural consequences to sin. That's why living for God and, and living the way that He would want us to live is a lot better than living in sin. And sometimes people will go through things because they make bad choices. They sin. They, 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 they make terrible choices, and there are natural consequences to that. And you can't avoid those things. It's going to happen if you do this, or you're setting yourself up to be around this type of environment. And when something like that happens, something negative, something bad, you know, we always want to go, hmm, see, told you so. Is that the heart of God? Did, was the father, the father who was, who was representing God in that parable Jesus told? When the son comes home and he's all hungry, did he go, See, told you you'd be hungry. I knew you'd come home. I'm surprised you're even walking. Yeah, look at you. I tell you what, I, go ahead, go ahead. Try to crawl on in. Yeah, crawl on in the house. Yeah, there's some water over there. Go ahead and get it if you can. Because, you know, if you would have stayed here, done what I told you to do, 
then, you know, you'd be able to walk over there and all of this would still be yours, but you blew it. Is that what the father did when his son came home? No. That's what the elder brother wanted. That's what the elder brother wanted, penance. He wanted justice he, in his own eyes. He, he, or he wanted reward for how good he'd been. No, the father didn't act like that. The father embraced him. father welcomed him. The father immediately put the family ring on his finger, that signet ring of their family, to let him know, hey, you're a part of our family, son. I've been looking for you. You were lost. You're home. I'm welcoming you just as you are. See, here's the thing. There are natural consequences to our actions, but 1 Peter 4, 8 says that love covers a multitude of sin. And if we want to look at the context in which that scripture was written by Peter, when he penned that, love covers a multitude of sins, he was writing to how we should view and treat one another. That's what he was talking about. You can read that whole chapter there. That's what Peter was talking about, how we're supposed to engage and treat one another. And as our church continues to reach out, and as our church continues to grow, and as we continue to, to, to be a light in this area, and we, as we're trying to connect the disconnected to loving God, loving people, and serving the world, and as we're reaching people, I want us to remember that our heart as a church needs to be positioned to receive the prodigal brother, to be a place of safety and renewal for the prodigal brother, a place of forgiveness, a place where people can be restored and loved and learn that they matter to God because we let them know that they matter to us. Amen, somebody. You see, you matter to God because I'm going to show you you're important because you matter to me. Here's what the older brother did. The older brother, when he saw his, his brother come in, he looked down upon him immediately. But the father looked ahead. The older brother looked down, but the father looks ahead. And he always does. He always looks ahead. The father was looking ahead for his son, but the elder brother looked down in judgment. The heart of God is so passionate for people that we are the focus of his love. We are the focus. We are the reason why he sent his only son. The father wants us to look ahead for those that are in need of care, love, and restoration. And he wants us to welcome them and care for them and rejoice for them just as they are. Amen, somebody. You see, the heart of God is for people. And the heart of Word of Grace is for people because the heart of Word of Grace is all about loving God. And if we love God whom we cannot see, how can we say that we don't love our brother whom we can see? How can we say we love God but yet we don't have compassion and love for our brother whom we can see? You see, here's the thing. We serve people without regard for what they can do for us in return because of the love of God. God is calling us to continue to love people, even when it hurts. Because how many of you know that you were worth it? Amen? Amen. You're worth it. If you call Christ your Savior and your Lord, if you call God your Father, then guess what? You were worth it. You were worth it with all your junk, all your hang-ups, all your baggage, even all the stuff that you still may struggle with or deal with, you're still worth it. And guess what? So is the prodigal brother that needs restoration and needs to come home. He's worth it too. Just as much as you or I were. No matter how dirty or shame-filled our past may be, no matter if we hide it really well like some do, or if we maybe just don't have maybe as an extreme story that someone else may have, 
And you know, sometimes you may feel like, oh, God hasn't done really anything significant for me because I don't have this great story like so-and-so was just delivered from all these great, these terrible things that they were struggling with. And, you know, I, I don't understand. Yes, you do have a story, and God does love you just as much, and you've been forgiven just as much. Let me tell you, folks, it doesn't matter how baggage-filled our past is. It doesn't matter how much junk we've come out of. God loves us, and He wants us to be His right where we are. Today, you may have accepted normal as a view of a God who despises you and that church people are like the older brother. Maybe you've accepted that as normal. Maybe that's the thing that you said, okay, that's, that's normal. Well, if that's your definition of normal, then word of grace is not normal. Amen? Now, let me say that slow so I can say that some more because some of y'all think about some chicken legs or something. <clears throat> Today, you may have accepted normal as a view of a God who despises you. Maybe that's your normal view of God. Or maybe you've got a normal view that church people are like that older brother. And if that's your definition of normal, then word of grace is not normal. Amen. We are a people who strive to be like Jesus and love like he loved. We offer that truth of God, the truth of His Word when it's convenient and when it is not convenient because we believe that it's true. Amen? Amen. But we also believe that mercy and grace empower us to live out that truth, not guilt and condemnation. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to His purposes. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death, from the law that would bring guilt and shame and condemnation. He set us free. So today you can be forgiven. Today you can be welcomed into the family of God. You can be free from that guilt and shame and condemnation. So will you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're here in this place today and you're listening to me talk about how good God is and talk about how rich His grace and mercy is for us. We sang a song earlier about how Jesus paid it all. We really do owe all to Him this morning. We owe all to Him every day of our lives. And we never get to a place in our lives where we stop needing Jesus. We never get to a place where we can go, okay, I'm good enough, I don't need Jesus anymore. No, we always need Him. Because without Him, we can't be connected to God. If you're here in this place today and say, Pastor Derek, I need Jesus Christ I want to meet him today as my personal Lord and Savior. I want you to let me know that. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, just lift your hand and put it back down in this place today. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see that hand there. I see your hand, sir. Thank you, God. Anybody else in this place? You're just acknowledging that need and you're ready to make a move. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to simply acknowledge that because this is more for you than it is for me. It's, for, it's you taking that step, acknowledging that you need God, that you need Jesus Christ in your life. If you lifted your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. But even if you didn't, I want you to help me out by saying this prayer with me as well just to help support those that are coming to Christ today. I want you to say, Jesus... I trust you. I trust your mercy and your grace is big enough to forgive me and to welcome me home into the arms of the Father. 
I've sinned and I ask your forgiveness. Thank you for restoring me. Thank you that your grace is big enough. I'll follow you all the days of my life. I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. Thank you for reconnecting me to God. I trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you look up here? If you said that prayer today.